Tyler and Tolan Florence, who's a celebrity chef on the Food Network. You know, he came back. He said he was really impressed with the food. And he took one of our cards and um, said he might have some great opportunities for us. And we were, like, super excited about that. When he left, we were, like, jumping in a circle and, like, hugging each other. And then he, like, walked back in and caught us. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview Simi Hansen, who is the owner and executive chef for Wanderlust Catering. So she has been featured by Pottery Barn, Style Me Pretty, Real Weddings Magazine, among other places. So tons of really notable websites have featured Simi's work. She does absolutely amazing things with catering. Um, but that's not, in my opinion, the, the best reason to have her on the show. I think that Simi just really, really embodies the spirit behind Half Hour Intern, which is she thought that she wanted to be in construction earlier in life and got a construction management degree from Cal Poly. Um, and after she graduated school for a variety of reasons that I'll let her go over during her story in the show. She just wasn't really liking her job. And she started cooking every night for hours when she got home from work as a sort of therapy um, for not liking her job and got so into cooking that ultimately she ended up where she's at now having her own catering business. So um, Simi has an awesome story. She's an awesome person. And without further ado, here is Caterer. Simi, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So please, if you could tell my audience your background first, because I got a little bit of your background through emailing back and forth with you. And it's so interesting to me, the path with which you, you've you arrived at your job. So tell us about your background. It's kind of a curvy little path. Um, I mean, I don't know how far you want me to go back, but I grew up in the East Bay and then, um, you know, had my teenage years. And then eventually I got to Cal Poly where I studied construction management. And I think that's kind of where the professional story begins. Um, but yeah, so I studied something that was completely not related to what I do now. But it's actually, um, I've used a lot of what I've learned through construction management and through my job as a project manager in event management. So it's helped me a lot. Um, in that you mean it, it kind of changed the way that you you look at a project. So it changed the way that you viewed things when you were trying to start your own company? Well, I think event management and project management is very similar. It's just a different product. So I'm still um, creating proposals, doing sales, uh, working with vendors, ordering uh, ordering ingredients now before I was ordering construction materials. And then um, putting the labor teams together to execute the project, which was, you know, in construction, it was putting together communication systems, which was what I specialized in. And now it's putting together food for an event. That's so funny. So you're basically, yeah, you're yeah. replacing a building with a, uh, like a cake or a, yeah. yeah. Or dinner or, um I mean, we do more than just food. We do a lot of light event management as well. So, um, you know, working on logistics to get that event to run smoothly is very similar to working out logistics logistics to make a construction project go smoothly. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so I, and then also like just being in a professional corporate environment helped me to relate to a lot of my clients who are working in a professional corporate environment and are used to that kind of client interface. Mm-hmm. So that helps out a lot too. Um, so yeah, so I was a project manager uh, for about five years, or I was in the construction industry for about five years, and I made a project manager by the time I was 24. So I was probably one of the youngest uh, PMs in the company at that time. And I could technically do the job well, um, but I didn't really love it. I wasn't interested in learning like all the new technologies. I didn't really... I don't think I was a great seller because I didn't really believe in the product. I couldn't get excited about it. And I just had absolutely no passion for what I was doing. Um, And at the same time uh, that I decided to go to culinary school, I got a new boss at the company. He was pretty lame. He was pretty rude. (laughs) And I just kind of fell out of wanting to be in that industry at all. I assume that now it's so interesting the way that life is, where something that at first seems like a a negative like that turns out to be this huge positive catalyst in your life. You know, that if you hadn't, cho- if you hadn't chosen this career path that you didn't fully connect with, or if you, this, this kind of jerk guy didn't come in as your new manager, then maybe you never would have quit, you know? It's so true. It's so true. And um, I was in a place where I just would come home and I would be so sad. Like, I just hated what I did every day. I didn't really like relate to the people I was working with. I don't want to say I didn't like them. I just, like construction is such an old boys club. And I was this 24-year-old young girl that I don't even think I was like mature professionally at that point. So I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't really confide in anyone or relate. Yeah, definitely. Um, But I would come home and my therapy was cooking. So I'd come home and I'd cook for three hours and... um, when the movie Julia and Julia came out, I was like, yeah, I'm going to cook my way through Julia Child's book, too. I'm going to teach myself to cook. And I did that uh, every night for about six months. What is this movie uh-huh. you're talking about? So Julia and Julia, it's it's a real, like a, a movie based on true life. And it's this blogger named Julie who cooks her way through every recipe in Julia Child's uh, Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Wow. And she blogs about it every day. And then they turn the blog into a movie. And it just talks about how she like falls in love with cooking and um, and how she learned a lot through cooking um, out of the book. And so I was like, oh, maybe that'll help me learn a lot, too. And it did. It totally did. And it definitely like um, fueled my love for cooking, I would say. That's awesome. So talk to us about your next step. You went to cooking school right after that, right? Yeah. So my husband's like, well, why don't you um, start going to culinary school and see if you like it and maybe you can start a food business. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So um, I kept my my construction job during the day and then I went to night school in the evenings. So I would work like seven to four and then I'd go to school like six to 11, um, three or four nights a week. And um, on the weekends, I started doing small catering gigs. So I was literally like working all the time. And is but, that what led to you doing catering as opposed to being a restaurant-based chef? I, I find catering so interesting. I, I imagine that most people going to culinary school kind of have these grandiose visions of opening up their own restaurant and being kind of like a celebrity chef or whatever. Um, what made you decide to ultimately go into the catering world? Um, there, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is money. 
So it's it's extremely expensive to start a restaurant on your own. And it's also extremely intimidating to um, try to find investors. Yeah. And so I just wanted to skip that entirely. And catering has um, a pretty, a relatively low like starting cost. There are definitely some fees. We probably put down about ten thousand dollars altogether. But um, what's different than a restaurant is like when a restaurant's not busy, they're still open. They're still paying their servers and their chefs to be there. They still have to prep ingredients for the service. And if people don't come in, that's all like wasted money. Whereas catering, if you don't have something booked, you know for sure booked, you're not. Um, paying your servers, you're not prepping ingredients, you don't have any costs basically except for um, like your overhead that you have every month. Yeah, that's a really, um, really good point. What is the what is the prep like for the catering business? Um, like, do you make all the food before? Are you um, like, let's say you have a uh, something happening at like a winery, like a wedding at a winery or something? Are you using the winery's kitchen, or do you have to make everything beforehand and then bring it? Um, so we generally prep everything ahead of time as much as possible. And then we do final cooking on site. So, um, like if we have braised meats, we'll do that ahead of time and then we'll reheat on site. But if we have like steaks or something, um, we'll cook all those once we get to the location, um, before the service. Okay. And so if a venue doesn't have a commercial kitchen, we build one, we rent ovens, stoves, tables, hot boxes, and we set up. Um, you know, if it's outside, maybe we'll set up a tent and put everything in there and basically have a real working kitchen on site. Um, and then it all goes away at the end of the night. That's awesome. And then I imagine that all those costs can just be forwarded right along to whoever hired you. Yeah. I mean, um, we, we have a package deal, um, that includes all of those rentals. And then the food and the service. Um, so they see one price and they don't see like how much of that is food and how much of that is rentals. So they don't really have a chance to be like, oh, why so much in rentals? They just see the one price and they're like, oh, that's actually a very good deal. That's awesome. That It's it's crazy. I never thought about the the kind of safe business environment that catering is, but that all makes so much sense. Um, so we have got a, a couple of questions that people wrote in to ask. And I'm, one of them fits in perfectly right now. So I'm going to ask it. So um, this one actually comes from my mom who who (laughs) commented on a post of of Half Hour Interns on Facebook. So this is from Michelle Wartner. She says, what certifications do you need to have to prepare food for the public? Um, And then something I guess that I would kind of add is like, do you have to make food in special kitchens? Um, Can you make them at someone's house? And is that okay? Um, I know I, I've interviewed a couple other, like I interviewed a baker on the show. I interviewed a guy that makes his own salsa. And so through that, we learned about, um, co-packers and stuff like that. And all the, the regular, the regulatory environment from prepping food. Um, what is it like for someone doing catering? So it's probably pretty similar. Um, I didn't hear those interviews, so I'm not quite sure what the, um, what the thing is for like co-packing and everything. But since we don't like, um, produce any like processed foods or anything that's packaged and sold. We don't have anything um, like that, but we have to have, you know, our business license. We have liability insurance up to like $2 million. We have a health permit that's, you know, pretty expensive. It's about a thousand dollars a year. Um, And then with the health permit, you have to have a commissary kitchen that you work out of that's fully permitted. So um, we share a kitchen with about five other caterers and eight food trucks in Concord. Hmm. 
And the health inspector comes, um, you know, three or four times a year just to make sure uh, everyone's following the rules and doing things correctly. And then, um, but aside from that, like once we get on site, uh, generally like the venues, their kitchens will be permitted already. Or if we're in a private home, it doesn't necessarily uh, need a permit for that. Yeah, I imagine that's kind of one of those things that just goes under the radar. Like people will just go ahead and do that and it's it's not an issue. Yeah, I don't even think there's any regulations um, when you're doing like finished cooking in someone's home. Yeah, yeah. Take us back to um, the, the, the steps of, of getting your business started and, and launched and going through that whole process. Okay. Um, so originally I wanted to have like a food truck <laughs> and then I realized that even food trucks have a huge starting cost. It's like $50,000 at least. Um, so I decided I was going to do catering. And um, to do that, I just I got like the health permit thing going. I got the, the kitchen going. And then um, and then my break really was, have you heard of the, the website called Kitchit? I have not, no. So Kitchit, um, they recently closed the service that... Um, I participated in, it was called the chef marketplace. But what it was, was a website where clients can go, they can look at all these different private chefs menus, they have the prices, and then they can book people, they can book chefs through the website. And um, I got on that because a friend of mine had recommended it. And that exposed me to this huge base of clientele, clientele that um, really values private chef services, they're willing to pay um, a good amount of money for great food. And that's really how um, Wanderlust Catering took off in the beginning. Awesome. So had you already like come up with the name and, and filed all the business stuff prior to doing this? Yeah. Yeah. About um, six months prior to getting on Kitchit, I started and it was so hard to find clients because unless you have like the people in my network that I know, my friends and family, they're not hiring private chefs. Like that's not the market <laughs> that we go after. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so it was really slow. I was, I was still like doing a lot of work for really cheap and definitely like not making much money at all. Um, but once I got on Kitchit, that's when that's when things blew up. And um, and were you able to just put yourself on Kitchit, or was there like an application process? How did that all work? Yeah, there's an application process, um, and my application went through pretty fast because I had the website going, I had um, my business license, I had all that ready. Um, I think for other private chefs that maybe don't have all that, it takes a little bit longer. But yeah. I kind of, I think I was on in like five days. Wow, awesome! And but now Kitchen's gone. Yeah, so now Kitchen's gone, but it's been about a year and a half since I started with Kitchen, And so I've grown a lot of clientele. Um, we have like a handful of really good weddings under our belt and a lot of good reviews. Um, so that helps us now. And um, we don't really have, I mean, we have steady work coming in. So I don't have to lean on Kitchen so much, which yeah. is great. Yeah. So do people use, do the same people like use you multiple times or is it, do you always just need new clients? Um, we have a handful of clients that use us a lot and then, um, and then because they host so many parties, their friends call us. Um, and who so are these people? Like who are these people <laughs> hosting all these parties? That's so crazy. We have the most lovely clients in Mill Valley. Um, I won't say their name, but they 
love our food and they promote us and they have tons of friends that want to use private chef services. And so they've been really helpful in uh, promoting our business. And then also our, our brides and grooms, because we work so closely with our brides and grooms, we become like very good friends and they tend to leave us great reviews and recommend us to their friends for mm-hmm. other weddings. So, you know, most people that are like in the age of getting married, their friends are getting married too. Yeah. So that helps a lot. Um, but yeah, we try to have like a really personal relationship with our clients. And I think um, that makes them comfortable in recommending us to their friends. Yeah. It's so cool to hear these stories for for anyone that's trying to start their own business or anything. Like, you know, the the people in Mill Valley that, that have really helped you out a lot, you know, and changed things for you. Because it's so easy to get discouraged when you're trying to start your own business. Or you talking about before you found Kitchit, you know, like trying to get people and stuff like that. But when you find that one particular client that is... Uh, influential in whatever way they're influential and they really help spread the word for you it's uh it's like you could be you have no idea that that could uh, that an event like that could be coming for your business like tomorrow or something you know meanwhile today you're just like oh my god it's never gonna work out for me and then the very next day you know like someone like that could be on your horizon you know yeah, and it's so funny because they're, the first event we did for them, it was literally like this teeny tiny private dinner for seven. And so you, I would go and I would think it was just another regular private dinner, um, which we get, you know, I was doing a lot of those before we started booking the bigger events. And it's turned out to become, I think we've done like six events for them. And we have like five events from um, their friends coming up this in December. Whoa, so that's it's, amazing. It's led to so much. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Um, what are some of like the best and most memorable experiences that you've had since you started this? Like any ways in which your life has changed or any standout, standout moments for you? Um, we recently had a very cool thing happen to us. We had an event at the beginning of this month and, um, this was also a friend of our very good Mill Valley clients. Um, they are good friends with, uh, Tyler and Tolan Florence. Tyler oh, is a celebrity chef on the Food Network. Yeah. And so this was actually the second time they've been at one of our events, but I think it was the first time we really um, impressed them. And so, you know, he came back, he, he mingled with our chefs, took pictures with some of... Um, some of the chefs that are really big fans of his and he said he was really impressed with the food and he took one of our cards and um, said he might have some great opportunities for us. So we were like super excited about that. That is unbelievable. We were like jumping in a circle and like hugging each other. And then he like walked back in and caught us. (laughs) (laughs) That's good though. He was probably happy that he made you so happy, you know? Yeah. So that, that was pretty cool. And then, I mean, we've just had some really, really strong events this last um, summer that we're very proud of because they were logistically challenging and we planned and we planned and we stressed about them for months and they came together perfectly. And and those moments are just, I'm so proud of my team and of what we're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. It looked like from your site that you, first of all, your site is beautiful. I should just say that, but it looked like from your site that you guys have gotten some press as well. Is that correct? Um, so we participated in a couple of styled photo shoots, which is actually very common in the industry, in the wedding event industry. Um, so basically like a caterer and a florist and a photographer and maybe an event designer will get together and they'll create this um, beautiful shoot and then they'll submit it to wedding blogs 
or some type of blog and and that helps spread the word about what they're capable of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've done a handful of them, but our biggest one was um, we actually got to do a style shoot with Pottery Barn. Wow. So that was really cool. They sent us a whole bunch of um, stuff to display the food on. I reached out to a few vendors that I really admired that I never met before, and they agreed to come on board. And then um, the shoot was just so beautiful. Pottery Barn featured it on their blog. They featured it on their Instagram. Uh, it got featured on Style Me Pretty, and so that's amazing. Did um, they reach out to you for that, or did you submit to them that that was something you wanted to do? So I actually have a girlfriend who works in their social media department. Wow, lucky. Yeah, and so um, she was like, you should consider doing this shoot. And then she moved out of the department, but she hooked me up with the new girl, and uh, she and I worked worked all the details out. So it was kind of, um, I guess we both came together. They, they didn't, like, request me, but, um, yeah, we worked together to make it happen. Cool, cool. So let's get back to the food and the job. Um, how many hours are we talking about sure. in terms of prep for, let's say, a party of like 20 people or something like that? Oh, for 20 people? That's not much. We, um, My chef and I can knock that out in like less than a day, probably. Okay. What, just, about a, what about a wedding, like 200 people? So yeah, we only do events up to about 175, um, but those ones will take us a long time. We shop all day on Tuesdays for those. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, say the events on Saturday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're in the kitchen anywhere from 10 to 16 hours a day. Oh, that's wild. And, and we'll have people come help us prep too. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of work. What, um, what are some of your favorite foods that you make? I love like winter comfort food. Like braised meats, short ribs, pulled pork, that kind of stuff. That's like my favorite food to, to eat. I also love um, making bread from scratch, oh, like awesome. with sourdough starters. Um, we do a lot of like uh, natural fermentation. Um, and that's always pretty cool. Like pickles made with like wild yeast from the air instead of like vinegar. Wow, that's amazing. Do you like what percentage of your stuff do you make yourself versus purchasing like if, if you have a big wedding coming up will you then buy bread as opposed to making your own or you always try to make stuff yourself um bread is really hard to make in bulk like that so and plus with all the other cooking we have to do there just isn't time for that like we'll make our brioche for like our brioche croutons from scratch but if we need to have like a ton of rolls for 120 people we just we don't have the space or the manpower to make that from scratch so we'll generally buy those from a company like acme Mm-hmm. who uses um, like old world techniques and organic wheats. Um, so we get really nice quality bread. But yeah, sometimes we just don't have the time. Yeah, Acme is amazing. Their uh, herb slab is like yeah. possibly the greatest thing on the face of the planet. Yeah, we love their breads. Yeah. Um, so this is a pretty good time for another uh, listener question. Okay. Um, at Vinyl Coast on Twitter wanted to know, do people have higher expectations for gourmet meals or simple comfort foods? And then uh, I would like to ask that same question about yourself. Like, do you have higher expectations when you're making gourmet meals or when you're making comfort food? Um, I think our style of cooking, whether we're making comfort food or whether we're making a gourmet meal, it's it's kind of the same. We will take a comfort food dish and try to elevate it. Um, so it turns into like a gourmet dish. Uh, but we, yeah, we have really high 
expectations for our dishes. Like we start with organic produce that's sourced at farmer's markets. Um, so we're getting food that's like literally been picked in the last two or three days. That's awesome. Um, we, we try to always do sustainably raised in fish, poultry, and seafood and, um, organic dairy. So yeah, we start with really great ingredients. We like rarely take shortcuts in our cooking. So like our, our breads, for example, it takes three days to make that bread. Whoa. Or like, um, I'm trying to think of an example, but like our braised meats, like they'll braise in the oven for like five or six hours. Like we take the time to make things the way they're supposed to be made without taking shortcuts. We don't buy produce that's been cut already or garlic that's been peeled. Like everything's the way your grandma would make it basically, but maybe with a little bit better technique. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A little more flavorful than my grandma. I hope Um, (laughs) that's awesome. What would you say is the most fulfilling part of your job day to day? Um, I guess day to day is I get to hire who I want. So I have these really amazing people on my staff that we laugh all the time and we really enjoy being around each other and we respect each other's work ethic. Like everyone on my team works really, really hard and I try to work really, really hard for them so that they work really hard for my clients. Yeah, that's great. So that's, that's a really nice thing. And then the other just like really rewarding part is when we've been working like 70 hours a week on an event and it just goes perfectly. And then the next day I sleep in and I wake up and I'm like, I have no stress. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. It's gotta be kind of nice making, making your own hours like that. Yeah. I mean, I work all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But there are times when I'm like, okay, that's enough of working all the time. I'm going to take this weekend off and go spend time with the people I love. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, when you are doing an event, do you have time to, uh, are, are you able to walk around and like connect with people and see how they're enjoying it? Like a, like a chef would do at a restaurant or are you kind of supposed to remain hidden? Um, I, when I used to be doing the catering company on my own before I hired, um, my, my head chef, Matt, I didn't really have time to do that because I had to be in there cooking and making sure everything was going um, the way it's supposed to go in the kitchen. But now that Matt's on board, he kind of runs the kitchen while um, while the event's going on. And I jump in and I help out with like the simple things that don't take too much attention. And then this way, I'm free to be like a client liaison, run the front of house, as well as managing the timeline in the back of the house. Um, and then that also frees me up to go and mingle a little bit, which is really great because a lot of people want to talk to the owner of the company. Totally. Absolutely. That's great. And it's got to be so nice for you to be able to connect with, you know, like to see the smiling faces that are enjoying your product. Oh, definitely. Like when we, when an event's going really well and everyone's loving the food, like people come up to us and they, they're like, Oh, can we come check out the kitchen? Can we see how you're making this? And, and I get to bring them back. And, um, and it's really fun to be able to connect with people like face to face and not just be hidden in the back yeah. <laughs> like you would in a restaurant. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have any sort of mentor or anybody that you're kind of trying to emulate in your field? I, I think again, on the, on the restaurant chef side, there's a lot of kind of notable, restaurant chefs that that maybe somebody would try to be like is there anyone like that for you 
Um, I think I do take a lot of inspiration from the past places where I worked. So I worked for Paula Duke Fine Catering for a long time, and she's probably, or that company is probably the best caterer in the Bay Area, if not one of the best in the country. They do the most phenomenal events. They're really productions. They're more than events. They're more than just catering. Um, They put on these really beautiful, beautiful productions. And she started, from what I've heard, she kind of started like I'm starting and in, and in 30 years, now they do events um, that are millions of dollars. And they get featured in, like, Martha Stewart weddings. Oh, and my God. All the popular blogs. And so I learned a lot working for them. And, I mean, it it's pretty lofty. It's pretty lofty goal, but it would be awesome to have a company like that eventually. So you want to kind of put more on your plate and handle more and more as time goes on? Yeah, and I mean her team is huge. They probably have like 20, 25 people in the office alone, not including food production. Wow. So that, I mean, it takes time to get there, but yeah, I would love to be a one-stop shop for events. That would be very cool. Awesome. Um, all right, cool. Well, let's try to wrap up with some advice that we can give people. So two things. Um, first, let's start with what do you think the most important lessons that are that you've learned since you started your own business? Um, lessons I've learned. Let's see. I guess one of, one of the big things I try to remember, and I've, I've heard this somewhere probably on like a Pinterest quote or a Facebook quote, but, um, people say like, nobody's really going to remember what you said or what you did, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. Um, and I find that that's especially true in catering. Like when working with our clients, if you make the effort to like, Make sure your clients feel special. Make sure they know that you're a priority to them. Um, Make sure that they know that you are doing your very best for them. They are going to feel treated so well, and they will in turn reward you and recommend you to their friends um, and just be very happy with your services. Like, like even if you mess up, like we had one event where um, one of the courses was like a handmade ravioli. And we forgot the raviolis at home (laughs) and we didn't realize it until like two courses before those raviolis were going to go out. And so I literally had to call my dad and I was like, dad, you have got to go to the kitchen for me and bring me these raviolis. And then we had to tell the client, Hey, um, can you guys do, this was at a wedding. We're like, can you guys do toasts for like an hour until these raviolis get here? Wow. And they were fine with it and they were super happy with the food and, I think that that's only because they knew we were doing our very best to make them happy. And all we really wanted was to make them, uh, was to give them a beautiful meal at their wedding. They didn't even care. They left us a phenomenal review. Didn't mention the raviolis. I don't even think half the guests noticed. That's a wonderful story. Yeah. Um, The second piece of advice is if anybody uh, wanted to get started doing this, what would be a really good path that you could uh, suggest to somebody to get started doing this? That's kind of a hard question. Um, I think I've been we'll lucky. get a degree in construction, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've been lucky in um, my situations. Like, for example, my husband works. And so this is a second income for us. And so we've been able to put a lot of the profits from the business just back into the business immediately. Um, so I'd say save up some money. And make sure you've got enough um, to get you through the first couple of years because you're not going to make a whole lot the first couple of years. 
Um, but other than that, like, yeah, just really work your network, find those ideal clients and, um, stick with them and make them as happy as you can. Yeah. Great. That is very, very good advice for, for anything. Not, not just for this. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. See me, dude. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Just wanted to give you all a quick reminder that if you have any ideas for the show, be that a person that you would like me to interview or just a topic that you would like me to cover on the show and you want me to track someone down, or if you have a question for an episode like today's or any other episode that you were kind of biting your tongue and wishing that I had asked, you can submit all that through my website on the submit your ideas link and I will either track down an old guest to ask those questions for you or find that new guest that you want to hear from. Thanks so much.